or if we're going to learn anything about prayer, we have to learn it from the Bible. And the Bible is the handbook on prayer. There's a lot of good books that have been written about prayer, a lot of good books that, that you can get a hold of, a lot of good writers that have, over the years, written wonderful books about prayer. But if you, if you, um, if you want to know how to pray, you have and pray correctly. How I many knows there's a right way to pray and there's a wrong way to pray? And so if you want to pray accurately and pray correctly, you have to pray according to the manual, to the manual. And this is the manual. This is the, the, what we go by that will teach us how to pray. So we have talked about the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. We've talked about how that uh, under this new covenant in the, that we are in, it's a better covenant, it's established on better promises. And under the new covenant, we have so much more liberty and freedom and authority and ability in prayer than what they had under the old covenant. They didn't have the blood of Jesus. They didn't have the name of Jesus. They didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling them such as we do today. Satan and demons had not been defeated on that side of the cross as they have now. So under the new covenant, we're living in such a better time than they were under the old covenant. Amen. I'm glad I'm living in this day in which we're living in today. So the new covenant that we're living in has so many privileges concerning, um, concerning prayer in our prayer life. And so uh, we want to, we've been talking about, and what we're talking about is, is the five important factors that, <clears throat> that are in New Testament prayer, in New Covenant prayer. And, and so if you want to go to John chapter 16, if you will, um, we've read these verses. These are kind of foundational as well. But um, the very first thing that we talked about concerning the importance of New Testament prayer that was very important to pray right, to learn how to pray. Jesus here teaching us how to pray. He said in John 16, 23 and 24, just before he was going to the cross, just before he was getting ready to die uh, for the sins of the world and rise again and, and, and ascend to the right hand of the Father, Jesus said this to his disciples. In John 16, 23, he says, And in that day you will ask me, Nothing. One translation says, You will not pray to me. Most assuredly, I say to you that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, asking you will receive that your joy may be full. I love those verses of Scripture. But the very first important factor about New Covenant prayer is that we are to pray under the New Testament, we are to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Jesus said that under the new covenant we're going to have a diff we have a different relationship to God than what they had under what Israel had under the old covenant. We are the children of God today. Can anybody get excited about that? We are sons and daughters of God. We have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 8 he said you have not 
not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. We are in the family of God. And, and, and God is our heavenly Father. Jesus said, if you be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to them that ask Him? So we are in the day that Jesus was speaking of there when He said, in that day you will not ask Me anything, but whatever you ask the Father in My name, then He will give that to you. Jesus is our, is our mediator. He's the mediator between God and man. Amen? Amen? I said Jesus is the mediator between God. There's one God and there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Not Mary, um, amen, not any of the, not any of the uh, saints, none of those, not, a, any, not any man on this earth that you can go to to mediate between you and the Father. Jesus Christ is the mediator. Jesus Christ is the intercessor. And if you're going to get to God, you have to go through Jesus Christ. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. When you go to, into prayer, and you say, Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. You are granted immediate access into the presence of the Father. You've got the ear of God right then. You're in the holy place right then, amen, in the very presence of Almighty God. So that's why it is so important that we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of religions that pray. Every religion has prayers. The Buddhists pray and the Hindus pray and the Muslims pray. And they all pray. They're not praying in the name of Jesus. So if they're not praying in the name of Jesus, then that means they're not getting the ear of, of the true and the living God. Amen? Because He is God Almighty. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is the true and living God. And if we're going to get to Him, he's the, he's the only one. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's our creator. And if we're going to get his ear and get our prayers answered, nobody's going to get a prayer answered outside of coming through Jesus Christ and the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All the prayers that are offered at, at, at public events that are not, where they're not allowed to use the name of Jesus, they just will not pray. Come on, somebody. They just will not pray. I know that's not politically correct, but that's okay. But that is true, amen? So, so we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. That was number one. The second most important thing I covered last week uh, is concerning New Testament prayer is that when you pray, you need to believe that you receive. Mark eleven twenty four is our verse for that and he said Jesus said you ought to be able to probably quote this but you know if you don't know this verse get a hold of it because this is the, these are the words of the Lord Jesus we're asking Jesus to teach us to pray are we? Are we asking Jesus teach us to pray? Lord teach us to pray he says therefore Mark eleven twenty four. 24 I say to you what whatever things you ask whatever things you ask the King James says what things soever you desire or ask when you pray Believe that you receive them, 
and you will have them. Believe that you receive them when? When you pray. Believe, you know, we, we want to believe we've received, we want to believe we receive when we get it. But you, you don't believe you receive when you get it because when you get it, you got it and you don't have to believe it, then you know it. Is that right? <laughs> then you know it. I mean, if I got it in my hand and I'm looking at it, I don't have to believe I have it. I, I know I have it. I know. I, I know it's there. But until I've got it, Jesus said, when we pray, that's when we have to exercise faith and believe that God has heard us and believe that God has answered us and believe before we ever see it, we got to believe when we pray, we got to believe that God has granted the thing that we have asked him for. And then if we exercise that faith and stay in that faith, Jesus said that the things that we believe we receive when we pray, we shall have, we will have future tense, amen? The answer is in the future. There's always a, there's always a time frame. Um, well, maybe not always. There's times that you can pray and ask for something and, and believe for something and it's instantaneous. You ever had a prayer answered instantaneously? Huh? I, I have. But, but the majority, most of the time, when it comes to asking God for something and receiving something, now, now this verse, we're talking here about something for yourself, ask it that you need personally and that is covered by the promises of God, has to be in the will of God, has to be covered by the promises of God. But most of the time when you pray and you ask, you've got that need and you ask, it's wonderful when, it's, when, it, when it comes instantly. Or it's wonderful if it comes by the end of the day. Or it's wonderful, you know, you get up off your knees and the phone's ringing. It's somebody on there saying, God just told me to bless you with something. Well, that's wonderful, but it doesn't always happen that way. There's a lot of times, most of the time, there's a, there's a time frame from the time that you ask and believe and say, Amen, Lord, I believe you've heard me and I believe you've done it and I'm thanking you for the answer. Well, there's a time lapse then between that time you pray and the answer comes. So you, you've got to stay in faith and continue to believe that God has heard you and believe that God has answered you. And we talked about that last week, how that Jesus at the grave of Lazarus before he ever, you know, before he ever called him forth from the dead, he told him to roll the stone away and then Jesus did what? It said that he looked up into heaven and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you hear me always. He's our example in prayer. He hadn't even called called him out of the grave yet, but he's already thanking God for the answer. Praise God. I don't know about anybody else, but that just excites me. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's praising God for the answer before thanking God before, before he ever sees it take place. So I'm convinced, I really believe that if we would begin to thank God and praise God more for the, for the things that we've asked Him for that uh, I really believe we'd see greater results in prayer and I believe we'd see more answers to prayer. Amen. I really believe that we would. Um, I just want to mention this and then we'll move on. Uh, but Daniel, remember, we talked about Daniel, I think, last Wednesday night. Daniel, Daniel prayed and fasted for 21 days 
before the angel got to him with the answer. And that's in Daniel chapter 10. If you want to read that for your homework assignment. Daniel chapter 10. But um, Daniel, for 21 days, he prayed. For 21 days. Again, you know, again, we're in the old covenant there. But still, this principle is still the same. Because he prayed for 21 days. But when the angel did arrive and appear to Daniel with the answer, do you remember what the angel told Daniel? And this is such a, this, this just opens up our eyes. The angel said to Daniel in Daniel 10 and 12, he said, he said, for from the, from the, from the first day, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. And I love that right there. Well, that angel told Daniel, I have come. Why, did, why was he there? Why did he show up with an answer? He said, I have come because of your words, because you prayed. But he was sent with the answer when? The 21st day? No. He was sent with the answer. God answered the prayer, sent the angel the first day, but there was... You know, he was held up in the heaven. There was opposition. There was opposition from the powers of darkness. And there was spiritual warfare going on. And Daniel couldn't see all that. But he held on in prayer until he won the victory, persevered until he won the victory in prayer, and the answer came through. What if he would have given up on the 15th day? What if he would have given up and stopped and said, well, I guess it isn't going to happen? Would the answer have come? We don't know. Probably not. But maybe that's what happens so much in our lives when we pray and we don't see the answers because we just stop believing that God heard us. We stop believing that God has heard and has granted the thing that we've asked for. Listen, let me tell you something. You know, the devil will oppose anything you pray for that is the will of God for your life. The devil will stand against you and he will oppose that. And so that's where the fight of faith comes in where you and I have to continue to praise the Lord and believe the Lord for the answer and for that victory. Mark eleven twenty four in the Amplified Translation says this, For this reason, Jesus said, For this reason I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. See, that's, I love the way it says that. Grant, uh, tr believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. So if you can just believe that God has granted to you the thing that you have asked for because it is promised to you in his word, then if you can believe that, it's been granted, then you are to be able to thank God and praise God for that answer. And Jesus said, Jesus said, you will get it. Hallelujah. We will reap if we faint not. Come on. Be not weary in well-doing. And I believe that, 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 that applies to prayer as well. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you will reap if you do not faint. Your due 
season's going to come, but you can't faint. You can't give up. You got to keep on keeping on. Keep on believing. Keep on pressing. Keep on praying. Keep on praising for your due season is going to come. Amen. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. I'm glad I came to church tonight. I got to get y'all shouting right now, right here on this point, because this next factor that, we, that we're going to bring up might knock the shout out of you. I hope not. I hope not. We ought to be able to shout here too. I believe you can, all right? So the first, the first factor in prayer is what? Ask the Father in Jesus' name. Second factor in prayer Believe that the things that you've asked for, believe that you receive them when you pray. Continue in faith. Have faith. Believe. Continue in faith. Then here's the third thing. This is so vitally important because here's where, here's where a lot of people miss, miss it. Mark, we just read Mark eleven twenty four, but that's not the conclusion of what Jesus had to say there about prayer. Mark eleven twenty four. but notice what he continued to say in Mark eleven twenty five and 26. And when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Verse 26 is a powerful verse. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. I didn't knock the shout out of you, did I? So the third most important factor about prayer is forgive anyone that you may have an ought against. Forgive anyone of anything and everything that you may have against them. That's what Jesus says. If you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That word forgive is an interesting word but because we think of forgive. When I, when I say that word forgive, when we think, well, what does, what does it mean to forgive? And according to, the, according to Strong's, um, Strong's lexicon and Greek dictionary, the word forgive, the Greek word forgive means to send away, to let go, to let alone, to disregard and not to discuss. Let me say that again, because I don't think you got it. Forgive means to send away, to let it go, to let it alone, to disregard it, and not to discuss it. Isn't that what God did when He forgave you and I of our sins? He let them go. He sent them away. See, now I'm about to get on some shouting ground, because when the Lord forgave us, he didn't just cover over our sins. Now again, in the old covenant, they just had their sins covered over um, once a year on the day of atonement. But boy, under the new covenant, it's altogether different. When the Lord forgives us, the forgiveness that we have through the atoning sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, He, 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 lets, he takes those sins completely away. He sends them away. They're, they're gone, completely gone. Are you glad for that? Amen? Amen. 
Praise God. Let me read it. Let me read it to you. That 25th verse again. But let me read it in the Amplified because it says it this way. And, and, and in the Amplified, he kind of puts in, they, they kind of put in the, uh, the meaning of those Greek words. And he says this, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop, leave it, let it go in order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. So see, here's, here's an important factor in prayer, and that is this. Or is everybody listening to me? Is everybody got, you, you got your ears on? Amen? Praise God. Because, listen, prayer won't work in your life, and it won't work in my life unless we have a forgiving heart. I believe this might be one of the most important factors about prayer because it just won't work. No one can have an effective prayer life if, if they have anything at all in their heart. And I'm talking about uh, any kind of animosity, and that's what Jesus is speaking of, any kind of hatred or, 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 a, or a grudge or something that somebody has done to you that's wronged you somewhere down the road in your past. And let me tell you something, saints. I've run across people that, that, has, that are still, have been holding on to things that happened in their life 10, 15, 20 years ago, and they just won't let go of it. They just won't let go of it and turn loose of it and, and, and let it go. Amen? See, and that's what that word forgive means, to send it away, to let it go, to turn loose of it. Quit holding on to it. And, and that's, what, that's, that's the problem we run into sometimes. And let me tell you something. Jesus said that, that, that you just, well, understand this. Jesus said offenses are going to come. And people are going, you know, we're going to have that opportunity for people to, to uh, as long as, listen, as long as we're in this world and as long as we're dealing with people, we're, people are going to do us wrong sometimes. But let me tell you something, the greatest lesson that you and I will ever learn is going to be taught right here tonight is don't nurse a grudge. Don't hold on to hard feelings. Turn those things loose. Get them under the blood of Jesus. Praise God. And Jesus said, listen, here's how easy it is. He said, you can do it when you're in prayer yourself and you're standing there praying at that very moment. Amen. You're standing there. Just let it go. Give it to Jesus. Turn it loose. Forgive them. Let it drop. Amen. Let it drop. Hallelujah. Amen. See, we can't, we can't harbor revenge and have hatred. And, you know, there's so many people that have that, that, that get even uh, type of spirit. You know, I'm, well, you know, I remember what they did to me back so many years ago. And um, just wait, you know, you've heard that, you've heard people say, oh, I don't get mad. I just get even. That's a wrong spirit. Are you with me? I'm getting a few amens, getting some nods. That's good. Praise God. Praise God. And people say, well, you know, how do I do that, Brother Rick? How do I, how do I forgive somebody? You know, I was, I, was, I was preaching a number of years ago down in Scott City at a church down there. And uh, before the service, I think I've told this before, but before the service, there was, there was a lady that came up to the pastor um, before that service that night, and, and she was... Uh, 
she was being tormented by evil spirits, tormented by demons. And she wanted to be set free. She wanted to be liberated from that. This was before the service even started. And so the pastor said, told me, said, come with me. This woman's got some problem with some demon spirits. We're going to go in the, in, this, in the back in the fellowship hall and deal with this situation. I'm thinking, oh, dear God. Hallelujah. What are we going to get into back here? <laughs> Praise God. Right before I got to preach and everything, you know. But uh, anyway, we went back there, and he, began, he just began to talk to her. And the very, one of the very first things, he asked her a little bit about the situation, what kind of uh, torment she was going through, what, what was going on in her life. And the very, one of the very first things then he asked her, he said, is there someone in your past that has done you wrong that you are holding resentment or a grudge our hard feelings, our unforgiveness again. And as soon as he said that to her, immediately she began to weep. Her eyes just filled up with tears and they began to run down her face. And I knew right then the Holy Spirit was moving. The Holy Spirit was uncovering something, see. See, she had opened a door. Are you listening to me? She had opened a door to evil spirits to come in and torment her. And I don't remember now who it was, but someone in her family a number of years ago had really done a, something bad in her life to her. And she, all of these years, had harbored these feelings in her heart, refused to forgive. She wanted revenge. She had a get-even spirit. She had was harboring hatred in her heart toward that individual for what they'd done to her. But when that pastor mentioned that that night, her eyes, she began to cry and began to weep. And right there, right there, she repented of that unforgiveness Forgiveness. She asked the Lord to forgive her for that and she right there turned that thing loose and forgave those people, those individuals right on the spot. Praise God. She didn't have to call them up and say, hey, I forgive you. No, it, that was something between her and the Lord. She had to get straight and, and as soon as she did, the countenance on her face changed. We laid hands on her and rebuked those evil spirits spirits and she left that place that night shouting the victory with the joy of the Lord in her heart. Amen. She wasn't discouraged. She wasn't tormented by demons. She was set free by the power of God and all it took was her standing there as we prayed and forgiving somebody of an ought that she had against them. Amen. See all of us, all of us have to learn this lesson. All of us do. Amen. We must must guard our heart and never allow a root of bitterness or envy or revenge or hard feelings to get in our heart. Because I'm going to tell you, saints of God, that thing right there, that, that revenge and that bitterness and that envy, hard feelings, unforgiveness will shipwreck your faith and will shipwreck your life. Amen? It will. See, listen, I, we, you have to guard your heart. I am responsible for my heart. I have to guard. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence. That means pay special attention to guarding and keeping your heart. For out of your heart flow the issues of life. Amen. So you've got to guard your heart. Amen. By, by what you listen to, by what you see. You can't allow a root 
of bitterness to get in there. Because here's what happens. Anytime, you know, someone does us wrong in any way, um, and it hurts, Satan will always be there, you know, to say, well, here, you know, here's what you need to do. And you need to do this. And, you, and he will, see, here's what he will get, get, tries to get us to do is to nurse that thing. Amen. We nurse it. Then if he can get you to nurse it, he can get you to rehearse it. That means you keep just going over and over it in your mind. Amen. And then you'll rehearse it to other people all the time. Anytime that person's name comes up, well, let me tell you what they did to me. Oh, glory to God. I'm preaching better than your amen and tonight. You nurse it. You rehearse it. But you need to let God reverse it. Come on, amen. You need to let the Lord reverse it. Let it go. Let it go. So I'm responsible for my heart. You're responsible for your heart. And I've been down that road. And I know probably everybody in this, in this room tonight have been down that road. I've had people, I've had people to lie on me. I've had people to do to try their best to assassinate my character, to just tell blatant lies about me. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm sure some of y'all have too. It, it hurts. It doesn't feel good. It, 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 it hurt. Not only does it hurt, it, it angers, especially when they're lying. There's nothing that hurts any worse than somebody just lying about you. You know? Especially, I mean, that goes... That goes for anybody, but especially for a minister because it's character assassination. If they make other people believe what they're saying, and, and you know, I've had that happen, and my first instinct, what I wanted to do was retaliate, and I wanted to try to defend myself. And, and um, I remember being over in the old church in that office, and, and that office I had over there didn't have any windows, and that old metal building we had, and there wasn't any windows over there. You get in there and turn the lights off. If you wanted to just be by yourself, you was by yourself. It was so dark you couldn't see the hand in front of your face. And I was just in there, had the lights off, and I was just, I was praying. I was seeking God. I was maybe doing more complaining than I was praying. But I was telling the Lord, Lord, you know what they've said about me. And you know that it's not true. God, you know my heart. And the Lord knew that. And I said, I, I, what, do I, what am I going to do? I'm going to, I, I need to, to let everybody that's here in this know that it's not true. And the Lord just spoke to me and he said, you know, the people that know you are not going to believe that stuff anyway. They're not going to believe that anyway. Amen. And the people that do believe it, he said, if you told them different, you ain't going to change their mind anyhow. So he said, just, just, and he led me over to, yeah, he just let it go. Just release it, let it go. And he led me over there to one of the epistles of Peter when Peter was talking about Jesus and he said about Jesus when, that he was our example and said for when he was reviled, he reviled not again. 
he didn't strike back. When they slapped him, he just stood there and took it. When they cursed him, he just stood there and took it. When they hit him over the top of the head with that, with that, with that rod and, and blindfolded him and slapped him and, and said, come on, prophesy, tell us who slapped him. He just stood there as a sheep that was dumb as before a shearer, so opened he not his mouth. And you know, that's what the Bible tells us to do. Said, do not avenge yourself. That's what Paul said in, in quoting from the Old Testament. He said, do not avenge yourself. In other words, you don't take the vengeance or the revenge or the get even into your own hands. You don't get back at people. But he said, you remember this. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I will will repay. Let me tell you, we're not to keep a record ourselves of every wrong that people do to us. But there is somebody that is keeping a record. And Almighty God's keeping a record. And He will settle the score. You can count on it. Can I get an amen? amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you'll do what's right, it doesn't matter what people say or lie or tell about you. You know, yeah, people's character have been assassinated. Yes, it has. But can I tell you what? You've got to make up your mind. I refuse to hold a grudge. I'm going to let it go. I'm turning it loose. I'm giving them to, to you. And I've stood before the Lord and I've prayed and I've brought, called people's names before the Lord. And I've said to the Lord, Lord, I forgive them. And I'm, I, I, I'm blocking it out. I'm turning it loose. I'm, not, I'm letting it go. If I see them on the street, I'll shake their hand and smile at their face and hug their neck. But I'm not going to hold the grudge. They're not going to rent any space in my mind. Come on, amen. I'm turning it loose. He said, be careful. He said, don't let a root of bitterness get a hold of it. So when you nurse it and rehearse it, that's when that root begins to get in there, that root of bitterness. So guard your heart against that. Guard your heart against that, amen. Whew. See, here's the thing. And this is pretty stout. But Jesus said that if I'm harboring unforgiveness in my heart against somebody else, that the Lord won't forgive me. Mm. Do I need to say that again or did everybody get that? That's what Jesus said. If I refuse to forgive someone else and I need forgiveness, the Lord won't forgive me. And I know Ricky pretty well. I'm going to need forgiveness somewhere along the line. <laughs> if Vicki was in here, she'd be saying, Amen, brother. <laughs> I'm going to need forgiveness. So I can't afford to be going to the Lord and saying, oh Lord, I messed up here. I missed it, Lord. I, I, I'm really sorry. Please forgive me for that. And the Lord say, says, uh-uh. Not right now. Uh-uh. What's the matter? Well, you've got to let something go. Hallelujah. I better close this out, hadn't I? <laughs> We might need to have an altar call here in a minute. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, gave a, Jesus gave a parable in the book of Matthew. And in Matthew chapter 18, 
And I will close with this, okay? Let's cover this real quickly and I'll close with this. But in chapter 18 of Matthew, Peter came to Jesus. The gold fisherman Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, another question. Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often should I forgive him? And then Peter answers his own question and says, Seven times? Seven? Maybe just seven times? I think I can go seven times, but if that eighth time, I'm letting him have it. In other words, Peter was saying there's a limit to how much I can forgive somebody. But Jesus said, no, Peter, you're way off. He said, no, no. He said, not up to, not just to seven times, but to 70 times seven, which is 490 times, which is in one day. Woo, hallelujah. It's blowing Peter's mind, you know. 490 times. And so, you know, if, if somebody sins against you, 490 times in one day and then you got to continue to forgive them and Jesus wasn't saying keep a count on it get you a tally sheet and mark it off okay there's 490 491's coming you get no but no that wasn't what he was saying he was what what he was saying by that 70 times 7 seven's the perfect number right 70 times 7 he was saying it's got to be Peter it's unlimited it doesn't matter how many times they sin against you it doesn't matter how many times your forgiveness has got to be just as unlimited toward them as God's forgiveness is unlimited toward you see And if we limit our forgiveness, then God limits His forgiveness. Because see, was it James? I don't remember who said it, but I think it was James. I just read it the other day. But he said, you know, well, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And and I think it was James talked about if you give mercy, if if you give judgment instead of mercy, you'll get judgment instead of mercy. Something to that order. It's there, believe me, it's there. trust me. But he said it's unlimited forgiveness. And then Jesus gives a little parable there. Uh, and he says, Jesus says that uh, the kingdom of heaven was like a certain king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, if they were talents of gold, some of the commentaries, they had one, one commentary I read said it would be equivalent to around $4 billion. Another one said that it would be equivalent to uh, $6 billion. But what, what the scripture was pointing out here was that it was, a, it, was a, it was a debt that this man in no way could ever pay in all of his life. He would never be able to pay it. So it was 10,000 talents. And, uh, but as he was not able to pay, it says in verse 25, his master commanded that he be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved, notice this, moved with compassion and released him 
He turned it loose. He loosed it. He released him and forgave the debt. He let it go. He marked it off. He marked it paid. He released him and let him go and forgave him of a debt that was insurmountable that he could have never paid in his life. And that man walked out of the office of that king where, where he stood before him charged with a debt that he couldn't pay. He walked out of there loosed and freed and happy and set and, and no burden whatsoever. I can imagine he was skipping down. If, if you, oh, let me tell you, I'm going to tell you if, if Belgrade Bank called me tomorrow and said, guess what? We've just released Abundant Life Family Church from what you owe us. You think I wouldn't have some shouting going on? Come on. Amen. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. Let's all pray about that. <laughs> or if they called and said, somebody just come in here and wrote a check, paid off your church. Well, wouldn't that be awesome? Amen. Your, your debt is paid. I tell you, I can shout about that. This man was shouting about that. But I'm going to tell you what. I owed a debt lot, a lot more than that. I owed a debt of sin that I could not pay. I owed a debt of sin that weighed heavy upon me. Hallelujah. But oh, when I stood before the king and he said, you owe a debt here of sin and you've got to pay it. And I said, Lord, there ain't no way I can pay that debt. And he said, that's all right. I just paid it for you. I'll just loose you from it. I'll just cancel it out. Glory to God. That is exactly what he did for you and what he did for me. Amen. Woo, that's why you can shout today and praise the Lord. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. He gave me something worth shouting about and worth living for. Amen. And that's what that represents. It's what Jesus was teaching. But this guy that just been forgiven a $6 billion debt goes out of there shouting because he's been forgiven and he's going down the street and he found, found one of his fellow servants, verse 28, one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, about a couple hundred dollars, a couple hundred bucks. Now, this guy's just been forgiven $6 billion finds one of his buddies out there that he, he recognized and said, I think that dude owes me some money. Matter of fact, I'm, I, matter of fact, let me pull my little black book out and check it. I keep a pretty good record of what people owe me. Yep, that's him right there. He owes me a couple hundred dollars. And the Bible said, he goes over there, he finds him, he owes him, and he, instead he laid his hands on him, notice this, and took him by the throat. Good Christian, out, out. Good Christian man. He grabs him by the throat, just been forgiven, six billion dollars, and he grabs this dude by the throat and he says, pay me what you owe. So his fellow, this fellow servant of his fell down at his feet. He didn't deny the fact that he owed him, but he fell down at his feet and he begged him, it said. He begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Now this wasn't an insurmountable debt. It was a debt that he could eventually pay, but he just couldn't pay it right then. And he said, if you'll have patience with me, I'll, I'll, I'll pay it. Just have patience with me. Mm, boy, that mm, 
can we, can we have patience with one another? Can we have a little long-suffering? Come on. Just have some patience with me and I'll pay it all. Look at verse 30 and it said, And he would not. But he went and threw him into the prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told the master all that had been done. And when the master, <clears throat> then the master that had, that after he, then his master, after he had called him, said to him, notice this, you wicked servant. You wicked servant. See, unforgiveness, God looks at unforgiveness after we have been forgiven and we refuse to forgive, God looks at it as being wicked. You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you. And his master was angry. I don't want the Lord being angry with me. Anybody else can get mad at me and angry, but don't let the Lord get angry with me. And his master was angry and delivered him, notice this, to the torturers. The King James says to the tormentors until she, he should pay all that was due the man. <clears throat> Remember the woman I told you about that was being tormented by demons? Why? Because she had unforgiveness in her heart. You see what Jesus said here, that this man that refused to forgive was, was turned over to the torturers to the tormentors, demon spirits, demon powers. See, that's what I'm saying. Unforgiveness will open that door for the enemy. Do you know, I've got to quit, but do you know that there's a lot of sicknesses and diseases that people are, are, are battling tonight simply because, you know what, what has been the cause of that disease? There's a, the Bible says the curse, causeless, does not come. You know what the, the cause of that in, in many cases is? If the root cause would be, was to be determined, it's because of unforgiveness. Somebody that they're holding something against for that, that from years ago, and it's opened the door for the torturers, for the tormentors to come in and place sickness on them and fear in their heart and, and despair and discouragement and all kinds of things in their lives simply because they are harboring unforgiveness towards somebody. I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but this is some stuff we need to know. Not only is it important, this important to getting our prayers answered, but it's so important to keeping us protected and that hedge of God around us and the blood of Jesus cleansing us all the time. We don't want to open any doors for the enemy to have access into our lives. Amen? He delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. And Jesus ended that parable in verse 35 by saying this, so shall my heavenly Father also, my heavenly Father also will do to, to you, 
if each one of you from his heart does not forgive his brother their trespasses. Wow, what a way to end a message tonight. Amen.